Bienvenue dans l'alcôve. Aujourd'hui, on reçoit Maya Ersan de Mirror Phantoms et Atelier Make. Welcome to the alcove. Today, our guest is Maya Ersan from Mirror Phantoms and Atelier Make. Today, in the alcove, we have the pleasure of welcoming designer Maya Ersan from Atelier Make and Mirror Phantoms. Uh, Maya's partner, Jamie, really wanted to be here today. She does have a conflict, so she wasn't able to join us, but she's with us in spirit, and Maya will answer on behalf of both of them today. Um, for Jamie and Maya, Atelier Make and Mirror Phantoms are more than just a source of income. They're an entrepreneurial adventure based on a creative symbiosis, a strong friendship, and a shared appreciation for all things beautiful. They're inspired by their heritage, bringing Scandinavian and Mediterranean influences to their creations. Atelier Make aims to bring beauty and refinement to everyday life with items such as porcelain tableware to complex paper cutouts. And Mirror Phantoms draws from the traditions of shadow theater, early cinema, and paper cutouts to create performances and interactive installations. Maya, thank you for joining us today. So to launch the exchange between all of us, uh, I'll start with a quick round of questions. Okay. And this is to get everybody warmed up and to get to know you a little bit better okay. very quickly. Answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, God. What's your favorite place to see art in Montreal? Nice and fast. I, I, my mind is going blank. <laughs> um, it would have to be the MAC. Musée d'art contemporain. Yeah. What's the most indispensable item in your studio? Kiln. Do you collect anything? Uh, yeah, tons of things. Are you a hoarder? No, 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 no. I'm a curator of, uh, of useless objects. <laughs> What's the first artwork you ever sold? Um, illustrations. What's the best meal you had in the last month? Best meal. Oh, I have like very bad short-term memory. Um, in the last week. In the last week? Today. Okay, no, pulled pork. <laughs> My, my, uh, my boyfriend, my fiancé, he makes amazing uh, food, so pulled pork. Favorite mm. city in the world to see art? Oh, really? I don't know. I feel like I haven't traveled enough. Um, from the cities I've seen so far, I would say... How's the art at home? In Istanbul? No, I just get really angry when I see art in Istanbul, where I'm from. <laughs> the politics just drives me crazy, so I don't like seeing art there. But um, somewhere where I'm disconnected, I think the best time I had was in Hungary, in Budapest. Wow. Who has had the biggest impact in your career? One of my father's friends. She was a painter, and she gave me my first art lesson when I was about... 10, 9 or 10 years old. He would visit her in England. And uh, so it would be Seven Sadie. Her name is Seven. And uh, she was a very inspiring woman. Yeah. Beautiful. What do you dislike about your work? Mm. What do I dislike about my work? It never seems complete. That's very interesting. <laughs> what do you wish you could do more of in your work? Um, what I could do more of? 
like you usually wish I have more time for every um, stage, every etap, you know, every part of the work. I always am like, ah, oh, this is rushed. Ah, oh. yeah. I guess part of that also is having an art and having a business and being able to finish a creation. Yeah. Yeah, you tend to overwork things when you're creative, and there's a, unless you work around deadlines, you keep working on the same thing. So there's a moment where you have to just let it go and put it out into the world, and uh, you get better at it mm. as you go. That's but in the good beginning, to know. it's hard. What's your most prized possession? Mm. I don't know. I would have to think. That's an answer in itself. Yeah, I that don't But there's have, nothing that comes to mind. That no, there's be. nothing object-wise that comes to my mind. So what can't you leave the house without? Keys. <laughs> that tells us a <laughs> lot about you. Which I sometimes you. do, and then it's not good. <laughs> okay, these two last questions are a little bit trickier. Oh, good God. If you were to write a book yeah. about... Owning your own business, what mm -hmm. would the title be? What's it been like for you to... If I was to write a book about owning your own business... Um, something optimistic, something cautionary... I would call it... The art of sanity. It's very good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not how, great. How to? <laughs> I'll just say that for now. We might revisit that at the end. Yeah. And if the book was about being an artist, would you use the same title? Art of sanity? Yes, actually. I would in both cases. In both cases. Yeah. Great. And then it would have a, like a subtitle. Like semicolon title. You know? Art of sanity, how to realize yourself. Oh, God, now it's a self-help book. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. Thank you for your generosity. <laughs> we'll start with the interview. Okay. So you and Jamie met in Vancouver at school. You weren't instantly connected. Tell us about how you came together as friends and as artists. Okay. Um, I mean, it's really funny answering these questions. I really feel like my half is missing. We, we do these things together always, but yeah, something came up today that was just um, impossible to deal with. And um, so we met in art school. We were there at the same time. And I was a bit of a more involved in political activism when I was in art school. And so we weren't in the same circles. And then as school came to an end, there were less and less people around and more, fewer people who would stay late at night into the studios and work late hours. And then Jamie was one of them. And that's how we got closer. And then once, once school ended, we immediately started working on projects together after graduating from university, which was Emily Carr in Vancouver. And... So we jumped into it right away, and we didn't really know what we were doing at the time, but we were following our passion about the neighborhood we lived in 
and uh, the fact that we were kind of okay organizers. We were good at organizing our time and other people around us. So then that gave us a start to, of working together. And how did you wind up in Montreal? Right. So I was born and raised in Istanbul, in Turkey. And when I was 19, I went to school in Vancouver. From Istanbul? From Istanbul. Don't ask why. <laughs> um, it was a whole bunch of chance things and scholarships and this and that. And I ended up there. And uh, then I stayed in Vancouver for seven years. I finished my studies in five and then I stayed there for a while. And uh, then I went back to Turkey after I graduated. Um, and then I got a small grant to come to the uh, National Film Board. ONF here to do a project in uh, Montreal in Montreal uh, called Hot House. It was an experimental animation project and I had been working on animation after my graduation like paper puppets and sort of very hands-on very material-based animation. So then that gave me a few months in Montreal and uh, I found a really creative community here right away. Like I just met people right left and center and everyone was involved and very open. So I was like, I could, I could live here. Yeah, I liked Montreal for its mix of uh, creative energy and grittiness. Like Vancouver was almost too civilized for me. Coming from somewhere like... Too Estelle, polished. It was too polished. People were too nice. Like, <laughs> you know, I just always felt like I was too angry and aggressive and Middle Eastern-y. So I felt here, I was like, okay, like, you know, there's a lot of color. There's a lot of like you know, different people here, I feel a bit more at home. Definitely. Yeah. And what brought Jamie here? So she came to do her studies at Concordia um, a year after I moved here. And we had kept in touch. She came and stayed with me in Istanbul. I mean, we, uh, the few years I was away, we were still very close friends. My sister lived with her. Like, there's all these connections to my family, too. She got to know my family very well as well. And so as immediately as she, when she moved here, we both uh, were living in Oshlaga Maisonneuve. So that's not a place that a lot of Anglophones move to. <laughs> You're probably the only two. <laughs> well, we were there for five years, we loved it. And it made us learn French. And uh, we, st we had our first studio there. Okay. Uh, just uh, next to Marche Maisonneuve. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so we rented a tiny space there and started working and playing together. Amazing. Yeah. So you have two distinct businesses that you say are very different one from another. Yeah. There are some similar points. So can you tell us a little bit about each and how they're different and how they're part of the same creative energy? Okay, this is the kind of question that Jamie's the better one at answering because she's very like organized in her thoughts that way. <laughs> But Atelier Make is basically a line of uh, uh, porcelain and paper-based products. We design the products and we produce them in our small studio on the plateau. Um, so we do every stage of the work. Uh, and we do all the running of the business aspects of Atelier Make as well. Um, from the photo shoots to running the web store to the website to we have classes. We give classes. People come and learn how to throw and hand build and the different techniques that we use in our work. 
And that's uh, that's a very popular thing, uh, the classes. Do you see that as part of the brand of Atelier Make, the classes, or is that a separate? I, I think it's a part of the brand because that welcoming sort of uh, intimate atmosphere is very much a part of our personality and a part of our brand. We uh, have very few students at, at the same time, so it gives us a chance to work personally with every single person who's there and we get to know their weaknesses and their strengths and then so the students uh, can grow a lot. And do you find that the students come as it's a side project or do any of them actually want to turn this into their main source of... We've had a few students who've... who've uh, turned it into their went source into, of Yeah, went into a creative practice afterwards, yeah. yeah. That must be pretty inspiring. It's great, it's fantastic, yeah. yeah. And for Mere Phantoms... Mere Phantoms is our practice where we work with um, a lot of... I don't know if anyone here has seen it visually, because mm-hmm. it's very visual. Yeah. Uh, but it's intricate paper cutouts uh, that we make. And then we create these installations that are shadow-based. So we've built a series of... We work a lot with LED lights and different kinds of lights to create and cast shadows. Mm-hmm. So this in, this in scale, it's a very small-scale work, the paper, but then the end result is kind of monumental and huge because it's all uh, projection-based. And we work mostly with museums and galleries uh, for that practice. We do some work in schools through Culture à l'école program mm-hmm. as well. Um, Limited so to Montreal? The Culture à l'école program is in Montreal, yeah. but we've had shows uh, in Europe, in right. Turkey... Uh, West Coast, Winnipeg, yeah, many places in Canada as well. Great. Uh, I'd like to talk about working as a duo. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. We've met through Alco, we've met different entrepreneurs, and there's two different ways of looking at it. Some people who have worked alone say they tried to do it two at a time, did not work, you didn't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Others say it makes them stronger. So I'd love to hear... Your perspective. Clearly, it's worked for you guys. Clearly. <laughs> what do you think it brings to your, your art? Um, I mean, it's not without its difficulties. For sure, we would both say that, you know, it has its challenges in a, in a creative sense sometimes. But um, in terms of actualizing the work, uh, it's amazing to have another person. I mean, you're twice... As productive basically you you end up sharing all the tasks of what's involved in producing a show or creating a line of work a line of designs and each one sort of takes the different logistical aspects of it because being an artist is one part of the process but making a living from that is an entirely different craft so that craft has all these different pieces um, that are not always the funnest thing to do, you know. Doing the same, uh, do, doing the same piece, you know, two hundred times over, can you really sort of get your mind to a different place from where you started? So, in all the different aspects of the of putting the work out there, it's. I think it's amazing to have a partner. I would say to everyone, like, if if there is a way you find it within your character to be able to work with someone else. Don't eat, like, always, always do, always collaborate. What is that character? What does that require you to do? I think it, it requires a part of uh, 
you to be less of a control freak because I'm we're both control freaks actually we're both Aries we're both like fire signs like we're both very determined but uh, that doesn't seem to clash it's uh, we understand each other's impatience we understand each other's sort of passion for what we do do you feel like you have different strengths in certain areas yeah 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 and does one spend more time on mere phantoms versus atelier make, or it's really split about the same for both of you? Um, it depends on what it's um, like. Jamie runs more like uh, scheduling the students and classes, and the production line with our assistant at the studio, for example, for atelier make, and I. Uh, liaise and correspond with the galleries and museums and explain to the technicians how to install the work. So, yeah, like the frustrating parts we kind of share. But I've, in the beginning, we really did 50-50. And then we found that it was a very impractical way of working. For sure. And then we now have more specialized sort of areas. Like you just have, because you do it so many times, it becomes easier for you. Do you have any personal creative projects that you do by yourself do you feel that that's important yes yes I do um I don't like I don't have anything that I am showing or anything or neither does Jamie at the moment but we both have our own sort of hobbies I guess (laughs) I illustrate and draw a lot um and sort of create volumes of drawings it's something I do to relax in the evenings yeah very detailed sort of ornate uh, things. That sounds like something that would give me a headache. <laughs> Most people look at it and think, oh my God, yeah. But, um, and I, I do a lot of paper-based work for fun too. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you're an entrepreneur, I, I want to talk about mentorship a little bit because I feel like as an entrepreneur, it must be an important part of your craft. Have you had mentors in your career? Have you been a mentor in your career? And I think my question comes back to the fact that you need to have confidence. You said this to me, to be able to launch yourself in your business, you need to be confident. Just Mm -hmm. believe that it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like mentorship has been something that has helped you to do that? Yes. Um, we did have a mentor. I have like, we each have mentors and then We've had a mentor who mentored us together as well. That's very interesting. And it was a woman who started a company in Vancouver that was wildly successful, um, who was our mentor as well. And it's um, and over the years, we've checked in with, with people. Whenever we come to a roadblock and we're like, wow, I really don't know. A roadblock? A roadblock. <laughs> I really don't know what decision to make. We kind of call on people who are more experienced than us um, that we know through our you know, school days or networks or, yeah, family and things like that. That's great. Yeah. So I think it is important to always have uh, people that you think can be a sounding board. Yeah. Yeah. Are there some challenges that you can share with us about starting your own business? that might be helpful. I'm sure there are many challenges to starting your own business, but that might be helpful for people here that are toying with the idea. 
Yeah, I would love to hear what their challenges are and then respond to that maybe because like... Fair enough. I think we can do that in the uh, question yeah, and answer period. Because Absolutely. I, I have like a three million, but you know. <laughs> For sure. I think that's a great idea. Um, when you started out, you mentioned that your kind of key to success or what I understood to be your key to success was minimum investment and maximum time mm-hmm. spent on your craft. Mm-hmm. Tell us about how you kind of built that and how it's different now that you've established your your business a little bit more. Um, yes, I can't emphasize that enough from my point of view. But to start um, with the minimal investment, by, by that I mean, what does it take for you to spend X hours a day being creative? Is it just a room in your house or do you need a studio that's separate? Now, once you establish that, from, for, for me, it was a studio away from my house, mostly because it's clay and it's unhealthy to live in that environment, but also psychologically, you zone in in a different way. If it's, if it's working at night, then you focus on whatever it is that you need where you can produce work, not just think about work or not just like uh, make sketches and put them aside, but what can you make if, if it's skirts that you're doing if it's pies that you're baking if it's whatever whatever it is where can you make it and then so create that environment that's super important but also you don't need you know the perfect studio to start you just need the corner of someone else's studio maybe you know like you need to be around creative energy like Sometimes, like I've I, I've seen this a lot, where you rent, you know, you you rent a tiny part of someone else's studio, and then that sort of creative energy gets you started. But minimal investment means don't like don't don't think that you need all these savings to start. You don't. You really don't. I don't think anyone really does. It's just an sort of an excuse that we've come up with in this more sort of money-based culture that we live in. It's just more the maximum amount of time. So the minimal investment is the physical stuff. Buy the best tools you can, but just the, f- the fewest also. You know, you don't need a $5,000 camera to start shooting, especially in this, this day and age, you know, pictures. But then the maximum amount of time is, like I found that I had to put, a, put aside my so- most of my social life for a while. It's just like, I was just not available because I was thinking about this one thing. And you just need those hours every weekend, you know, every, every, you know, other evening or whatever it is that it takes. You just have to be either by yourself or in a creative environment, but you need to give it the maximum amount of time. And were you continuing to do something else during that time where you were launching this, mm-hmm. this business mm-hmm. to continue getting income or did you? Yeah, yeah. We had day jobs. You did? Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, it was all in the arts, um, right. but yeah, we did, both of us. And it's paid off, clearly. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a moment where we both were like, okay, you know what, we're quitting everything else, we're going full-time now. And that didn't happen immediately. It took a year and a half or something. I guess for some people that's fast, some people, some people they can go even faster, but it took about a year and a half of fiddling around and, and testing different things in the studio and having like one or two sales. And then we were like, you know, 
let's do this full time. Now I can, can you last three months? Yep. Can you? Yep. Okay. Let's go. Do you feel like it would have taken you longer to make that decision had you not been a duo? Yes. Yeah. I think having someone else there sort of ready to jump in with you is, uh, makes a big difference. And you're sharing all your costs too, you know, of the studio. That's true. Uh, materials, everything like that. So. And in this process or before or since then, have you experienced failures, real failures that you feel have oh, yeah. shaped where you are today? Like our, one of our first real orders was for a big American company. Um, something like, you know, a Martha Stewart something, you know, like something big. And uh, I won't give the name, but uh, and we, when we sent the shipment, this was like, say, $2,000 worth of ceramics, which is a big first order, you know, when you're starting out. Literally every piece broke. Every single, it was like as if, you know, that opening scene in Ace Ventura, like when he's like delivering the box and he's just like, yes, <laughs> it was like someone Taking did that it everywhere. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we were like, like, did you just take a hammer and go at it? Like, how is this even possible? Like, they sent us pictures of it. They're like, oh, the shipment arrived. However, how did you fix that? We like, like we couldn't. It was just like, um, okay, so that's, you know, I guess that didn't work. <laughs> Did you send them a new shipment or not even? What happened? You see, this is, a, this is another part of a survival skill is that I delete all the negative stuff. I only hang on to the good things. My brain just deletes the negative. So I don't actually remember. We must have done something to deal with it. I Let's imagine. just say they weren't the clients anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let's talk about creativity. Can you describe a time, I know you talked about how big of an impression your father's friend left on you, but can you describe a time when you realized, I need to create for a living. This needs to be my profession. Oh. Hmm. I'm one of these annoying people, to, like I knew when I was like 10. Like, I'd never even... Never considered any other option. Else. No, I wanted to... The other option was <laughs> I wanted to be a person who travels the world on a ship making drawings of exotic plants. Like a usual job. Well, no, I, I, then, I, <laughs> then I figured out that well, that was a medieval colonialist kind of thing that they did back in the day before they invented photography. And, you know, like there would be a guy on a ship and they would come onto a new island and then he would get off and make the drawings of botanical things. That's amazing. I wanted to be that person. That guy. <laughs> uh, do you have creative routines or rituals that you can share with us? Uh, yeah. Um, like something that I do every day, every week. Mm -hmm. Something that just is part of your creation process um, that you kind of need to do. So both of, we both do this actually at the studio and... Um, at different times, but there is a sort of a ritual of puttering and tidying up in the studio and putting things away. It's like a way of, you know, knowing where everyone is, like every object is in the studio and things like that. So I find I, I do that at the end of every week 
there is a so I try not to get out of there too fast at the end of the week and just sort of put everything to rest. Take stock of... Take stock. Um, we've been... Now we take weekends. We used to work through weekends, but now we work Monday to Friday, like, you know, as a job. And we take our weekends off, um, except for when there's a sailor event or something like that or a show. Um, another ritual... We eat our lunches together every day, and one of us will bring lunch one day, the other the next day. So we always alternate, and we always eat really nice lunch, and we take time for lunch. That's very sweet. Um, and it's always like big salads and something nice. Um, another creative, we plant outside of our studio, like tomatoes and green things and stuff like that. So... That's like a daily, you know, the weeding, the watering, like that's kind of a, something that that we do. It's nothing part that's part of the creation process, but it's kind of what's around it. Yeah. I mean, because the creation process, it's so different depending what season we're in and what project we're working on and what exhibition is going up next. Right. So that part of it is, you know, is completely different every day. But sort of getting into it and all that sort of mundane daily ritual stuff that surrounds it is kind of more ritualistic in that sense. There's a quote that I love by Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way where she says, you can't express yourself until you have a self to express. Yes. How does your personal journey affect your art and how does it affect you being, I guess, too? Mm-hmm. Um, now we're getting into that stuff, huh? Yeah. <laughs> With your permission. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really into that sort of self-discovery, getting to know yourself stuff. That inner journey or whatever people call it. Um, finding authenticity is important. I think, um, and we are very different characters um, in a sense. I mean, we, ha we have similar sensibilities, but we have different personalities, of course. And we give each other a lot of space to express what's very dear to us. So, you know, I'm... I'm usually angry I don't want to like promote <laughs> anger as a positive thing it's not you seem like such a nice and positive right? person mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm angry I'm angry about being a woman I'm mm. angry about the amount of displacement so many people are going through I'm I'm angry at men I'm like deeply enraged about the patriarchal society we live in um but of course, hate and anger are destructive forces. So therefore, I find, uh, I try to find ways of acknowledging and sitting with anger um, and rage. And sort of finding my own place within it. Like, why am I so angry, you know, at men in general? You know, why do I think that they don't know anything? They can't organize themselves. You know, like, I have great men in my life. So... There's no real reason, 
But I think it's important to sort of reach out and read and educate yourself and talk to other women. And also women have been, men and women have been writing about this for centuries. And it's like, I believe in a lot of things that we inherit, anger, uh, like things that happened to my great grandmother, you know, like you know, she had to leave Istanbul and go to Iraq and live on a farm. And then she had her family there. And half of my family is Iraqi on that side. And then the others are Jews, but then they weren't Jews. They converted. And like all that, if, if, if you give yourself enough space, which is creative practice is great for that. And solitude is very key for that. You need to be alone and sort of boil in that for a while and then realize that, okay, this is a very universal situation, but your personal experience of it is still important and poignant especially if you can find a way of getting it out, um, of, of getting it outside of you by doing something physical. Like the physicality of the work is super important to me. And you make such beautiful things. I see, <laughs> I no, anger. No. <laughs> I see no anger in like your beautiful work. Well, Jamie helps me with that. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, it's working. <laughs> what is currently your favorite piece from Atel You Make? Mm. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Um, that's a hard question. It's one of the first, uh, I think my favorites are still the, one of the first things we made. So in the very beginning, we, we would each make separate things. And then we found that after a few months, we were always choosing each other's work. I'm like, oh, I like that one. You know, I like this one. And then it made this collection that really came together. So now we use that as our creative process, where I'll come up with some sketches or ideas and prototypes, and Jamie will too. And we're like, yes, no, yes, no. It's very easy. And that's how we make our collection. So the ver the, one of the very first things um, we made was our oval plate. That's kind of a signature item. And also the translucent lanterns. So those two are still my favorite. What color oval plate? Well, I like it all in white. Yeah. Because you're so angry. Right? <laughs> Those are beautiful pieces. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk about Montreal a little bit mm -hmm. because you both chose to come here. Do you feel like Montreal is a good place to start a business? And does it celebrate entrepreneurship? Yes. But just as a disclaimer, we both chose to move here before we passed the whole winter. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yet you're still here. Yeah, yeah, you know, you get used to it. But, um, yes, it's a really unusually supportive community, I, found, I find. I mean, I've uh, lived part of my adult life in Istanbul, part of it in Vancouver. And in comparison, I find it really, really sort of responsive and supportive. Like there's camaraderie between people. Um, for example, there is uh, Stéphanie Labelle just down the street. Uh, she's the owner of Rubab on La Nodia, that little pâtisserie. Um, we became great friends. She's a young woman who started her own business. 
we make plates for her, uh, plates and cups for her. That's doing now. She sort of does different things for us for our photo shoots. It's just there is this sort of sense of appreciating each other's work instead of being jealous and sort of competitive. Competitive. It's really unusual. It's really unusual, and really across across mediums and across genres. So that's very uh, that's very exciting. And you're still here. And do you feel like both your as it you make and Mirror Phantoms, you'll continue developing that craft here in Montreal? Mm-hmm. With Atelier Make, it's very uh, it's very Montreal based, and we have a we have a sort of a really in terms of your distribution it? or in terms of oh, actually, we send work everywhere now. Um, and all across Canada too. We're in a lot of those little shops that have all the little Canadian brands. It's, so it's it's cool that way. I like that. But uh, I, I meant that in a sense that we have a really loyal um, audience here, like people who come year after year to buy stuff. Would you say most of your customers are repeat customers? <clears throat> and that's a good question. I don't know. I would say a, a, a great chunk is yeah. Yeah, people start with one thing and then they collect. I mean, it's not the cheapest work, so, you know, it takes a while. I can't afford the stuff we make, you know, but uh, <laughs> I can't. I wouldn't be able to buy it. But uh, when it's handmade, like there is There's a no value. way around it. Well, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. If, unless you have to do ceramics, don't do ceramics. That's what I say to all my students. Like, unless you get out of bed and you're like, oh, I must. Don't, because there's just no logical reason why you should. How long does it take you from start to finish to make a piece? Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, you make it, it dries for like a week. Then it gets fired once. Then it gets sanded and cleaned up. And then it, you decorate it and put the glaze on. And then it gets fired again. Then it gets out of the kiln. Then it gets sanded again. So, yeah. It's just like... You've just justified the price. One thing after another, yeah. Yeah. And... 20% of the stuff that you do either breaks along the way or once it comes out of the kiln, there's something wrong with it. So, <laughs> yeah, can't get attached. So my last question, do you think 10 years from now you'll still be doing these two projects? Do you hope to still be doing these two projects? Yes, and I can sort of see where they could go and where I would like them to go as well. Uh, but yeah. Absolutely. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. I think they're both very promising. Is there anything before we uh, we close off for a short break? Can you tell us where we can see maybe some new projects from the two? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Mere Phantoms hasn't shown a ton in Montreal. We've been to Istanbul, Bulgaria, Denmark, like all kind of all over the place over the last few years. But this year we're doing, we're touring um, a show that we showed in Denmark uh, in 2014. So it'll be at uh, Maison de la Culture in NDG. And following that, it'll be at the Maison de la Culture in Hunsink. And then the show will travel to the Grand Gallery in Vancouver as well. And we'll be doing a brand new sort of style of uh, installation theater kind of work in Vancouver with Mere Phantoms for the Push Festival in 2017. So there's uh, that. And Atelier Make will be, we keep, basically every year we launch some new work. And um, 
that's how we keep it fresh. And there's some new clays and completely new finishes that we're working on. When do those come out? They come out with around October, November. Just in time for Just the holidays. Just in time for the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.